You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in. It is another episode of the Three Man Rush. I am Big O Jerry Ostrowski. She is Sarah Larson. I believe that you are in Buffalo. I am. I uh, had a lovely flight at uh, 4.58 this morning. Um, nice uh, little connection in, in JFK and been kind of traveling all day and getting you know settled in. Went a little Christmas shopping uh, this afternoon and my son comes home from college uh, tomorrow, so had to get him a couple of things as well. So, uh, been a busy day. I, I don't feel like I, <laughs> I don't feel what. like I've sat down until now. So, I'll tell you what: you've been busy. You're in Buffalo. Your son's coming back, and what better way to celebrate Buffalo than to uh, uh, welcome to this episode of Three Man Rush? What better way to celebrate Buffalo on uh, the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network um, than uh, having some Picasso's pizza? We're presented. By Picasso's Pizza, you can treat your uh, yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza, and you can ship local and nationwide. So if you're down in Miami and you want some Picasso's Pizza, just go online at picassospizza.net and get yourself some delicious uh, Picasso's Pizza, a Buffalo staple. Sarah, I'll tell you what, it's um, college football obviously is coming to an end. Um, we've got bowl game Palooza getting ready to start here real, real soon. And if we were to go ahead and, and cover every bowl game, we'd have what, like not even, we don't have enough time to do it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on a few bowl games later. We'll get into some Buffalo bills talk. I don't know. Is it anything happened today? Um, is there anything to talk about? I don't know. Some guy named Cole Beasley showed up. Uh, <laughs> Too much has been happening. So I, I needed a day off. I'm hoping nothing right. else happened. <laughs> right. Uh, Cole Beasley obviously uh, is in the house. He showed up and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what it means to the Buffalo Bills. And we will also, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about power structure within the Buffalo Bills organization as they get ready to take on the Miami Dolphins on Saturday night in Hallmark Stadium, a place where you will be, where I will be, and I cannot be more excited. But um, in the world of college football, and I don't know how 
how familiar you are you with the late uh, football coach Mike Leach? How how familiar uh, you, do you know him very well? Do you know his work? Um, did you follow him at all? Yeah, so uh, I know I've mentioned a couple of times in the past that my dad uh, and my, well, my dad and my uncle they were both uh, born and raised in Washington State. So my dad went to Washington State, and my my uncle went to uh, to UW. So I've throughout my years uh definitely followed uh washington football so i knew mike leach when he was the you know the head coach over at washington state it's kind of where i followed him um you know for i think he was there for seven or eight years maybe maybe even nine um so i de you know definitely followed him there and uh when he when he became the head coach at uh, mississippi it was interesting to me to see how, you know, whether or not he was going to turn uh, the, the program around, you know, the, you know, SEC is a very hard uh, conference to begin with. So, you know, uh, just tragic news. And for those that um, haven't heard, uh, obviously, uh, Mike Leach went into uh, the hospital a couple of days ago um, and uh, unfortunately was met with uh, some complications. They're saying heart complications um after his uh after his admission into the hospital and 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 he passed on uh was it monday night or tuesday night i think it was monday night yeah oh jerry you're muted excuse me i'm sorry about that they um they announced it monday but actually i think happened sunday night but uh, leach was an interesting person and the thing about mike leach and i don't think people really understand this is that he kind of started a revolution. He was the guy that that it was okay to be different. You didn't have to be the tough guy. You didn't have to be. And I, when I say tough guy, Mike Leach was tough. But when I when I talk about Leach, when I say the tough guy, the stereotypical football coach. I mean, he was a he was a lawyer. Uh, he had his law degree. Um, you know, he's a guy that studied football in a different manner. He looked at it in a different manner. And, you know, his style of play was developed under a guy by the name of Hal Mummy. He was a Hal Mummy disciple, and his overall coaching record, Coach Leach, was 158 and 107. He was 8 and 9 in bowl games. Um, but he was always known for the soundbite, right? He was always known for being different. And um, I had briefly met Coach Leach back when he was at Oklahoma. And um, he was part of an Oklahoma staff under Bob Stoops, which had a, you know, had a bunch of Division One head coaches under it uh, over the time. Uh, Leach was one of them. Mark Vangito was another one. Uh, obviously, Bob's brother, Mike. Uh, all these gentlemen had uh, head coaching jobs. And when you look at his record, um, it's just, I mean, I don't even know how you can sit here. I mean, I can't remember it, so I just, I ran a copy of it off. But, you know, he was, uh, you know, like I said, he was 8-9 and nine in bowl games. He took tough jobs, jobs that weren't necessarily the easiest to do. He started Iowa Wesleyan went to Valdosta State, and then went to Kentucky. But as Tex head coach, Texas Tech's head coach, 10 consecutive winning seasons, eight consecutive seasons with at least eight wins. I mean, you know, Bolitnikoff Award winners, Johnny Unitas Golden Arm winners. It just was, it just goes on and on and on. You look at Washington State that, Sarah, you talked about earlier, 2015 Pac-12 Coach of the Year, 2018 Pac-12 Coach of the Year, four consecutive winning seasons. Um, you know, first coach to win 11 games in a season at Washington State. He had another Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award quarterback and Gardner Minshew. Um, 
But this is the part where you think – I. you said a little bit earlier, we were talking about some things, but when I look at a coach and I say, how good was this guy? And just just what kind of a, of a, of a footprint did he put on the game? You look at his coaching tree and you say, okay, this is who he helped produce. And you look at the assistant coaches under Leach that became uh, college head coaches, Dave Aranda, who was the former LSU defense coordinator that's now the Baylor head coach, uh, Zach Arnett, who's going to take over for yep. Leach at Mississippi State. Now he's just announced today the defense yes. coordinator. Um, coach Arnett will take over. Art Bryles at Houston and Baylor. Um, Sonny Dykes, who uh, coaches uh, TCU now, was at Cal and SMU. Dana Helgerson, who was at West Virginia and Houston. Seth Luttrell, um, Ruffin McNeil, another guy named Lincoln Riley. Um, oh, I mean, just some random yeah. guy named Lincoln. <laughs> right. It just goes on and on. And then former yeah. players, Neil Brown that played for him, the West Virginia head coach, Sonny Cumbie, who's at Tech, La Tech, um, Josh Heupel, Cliff Kingsbury, and Eric Morris, who just took a job in North Texas, to name a few. Immense coaching tree an innovator of the run and shoot, the spread offense. And I just, I think he'll be greatly missing the game of college football. I do too. And, and as you stated, uh, Zach Arnett, um, I believe they were, they offered him a four year contract, you know, um, to become the head coach. Um, they wanted to, you know, make sure that there was continuity. I read, you know, about that today. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, I don't want to say it, cause, you know, right now, but hopefully the team is able to, you know, kind of stay together and, um, and, you know, help each other, you know, through this, they are still going to play in their bowl game. And, um, and, you know, there was some, some rumblings today that people, you know, that they were trying to, to see if anyone wanted to transfer and, you know, let the, let the dust settle um, to any other, you know, organization that's trying to do that but um he'll definitely be missed 61 years old uh definitely had many 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 more years of uh teaching and coaching you know so i uh, i'm definitely sad for it i i think i texted you the second uh the the news came through my phone and i said holy crap um but uh i i figured that you know everybody so <laughs> i figured you 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 know it probably hit you in in some type of way. So, um, well, I think about his family, of course, and his wife, and his kids, and his grandkids. But I also think about all these coaches. I mean, all these coaches do the same thing that we all do, which is you have people in your industry that you look up to, that they're mentors of yours, and when you have uh, a situation, you you lean upon them. And Leach was obviously that guy. I mean, he was a tremendous communicator. I think he was the innovator of being able to get today's athlete to do the things he wanted them to do without being just an absolute blatant, you know, drill sergeant. But I also think he was honest with these kids. And you can't BS kids nowadays. You just can't do it. And he was honest with them. And um, so he's going to be missed. And, you know, hopefully through the Lincoln rallies of the world and these other coaches, his legacy will live on and we'll continue to see that style of offense progress and move because, you know, look at the guy who's coaching Miami right now, the dolphins. He's not your normal everyday football coach, right? I mean, he's a little bit quirky. Nick Soriano at, at, at the Philadelphia Eagles is a little bit quirky. You know, Leach kind of made it cool to be quirky. I mean, 
Leach kind of brought the the guy who was perceived as the 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 highly educated X's and O's wonder boy, you know, to the to the forefront. And um, he he changed the coaching he changed the coaching world. He changed football, and he will be greatly greatly missed. So uh, last week we uh, kind of started talking about the the Army Navy game to to you know kick off right. the kick off the right. show. And, you know, we both kind of, uh, you know, said it's it's a classic. And, you know, I made a couple of comments. I think it was a 120-second you know, game. And, well, uh, it ended up being a crazy game. So if any of if anybody has not had a chance to, to see it, it was a very entertaining game, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, first time ever in history of 100, 122 games that it went to overtime. And um, they made it interesting, and in the end, it was a heartbreaking loss for for Navy. Uh, they fumbled on the one yard line and it set uh, Army up for the uh, game winning field goal. Uh, what is you know your opinion? Uh, you know, kind of looking back at that game. I know you said you had a couple of uh, feelings about how that that end of that game panned out. Well, first of all, it's I I was duck hunting at the beginning of the game. So I didn't get caught up in my feelings watching the moms talk about their kids. Part of that was on purpose. Cause I'm telling you, that's the biggest tearjerker of the season. We talked about it last week is to watch these mothers talk about taking their kids to these service academies and dropping them off and leaving them there. Um, you know, crazy, crazy things. But I, I was pissed at television. Get the camera off the poor kid that's having the meltdown after he fumbled the ball. I don't yeah. know why we have to do that. Let 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 the kid have his moment. Uh, obviously, his teammates uh, took care of him and and helped him up. I mean, you know, the other problem I had with the game is direct. As soon as the game was over in the locker room, I don't know if you've seen an article, but Ken Yatamaloa, the head, the longtime head coach of the Navy midshipmen, was let go by the athletic director. Fired. The game wasn't even cold yet, and he fired him in the locker room, which I thought was just ridiculous. Um, Ken deserves much, much more respect than that. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, I lost a lot of respect for Navy for doing that to a man that served that school for so long. But um, one of the, one of the most entered, you know, you, you never go to an army Navy game thinking you're going to be wowed and entertained <laughs> with offense, right? Mm. It's, it is a lot like, I hate to take the sporting events and say that they're like battle, but it is, a, that game's a lot like going to battle. There's a lot of push and yeah. shove and no give and take. And eventually somebody breaks through the threshold and somebody's a hero. And unfortunately for Navy, and which is true to their mascot, somebody is a goat. So, um, you know, unfortunately that was the <laughs> deal. That was the deal. But um, again, uh, if you like defensive strife and not much offense, another great, a great Army Navy game. Yeah. So uh, Heisman came out on Saturday and your guy that you've been saying for the last few weeks, Caleb Williams, was the 2022 Heisman Trophy winner, uh, runner up to uh, Max, Max uh, Dugan and uh, TCU, who is kind of who I was on the um, on the, the boat for for, you know, for quite a while. Um as as the Heisman, I'm not going to say I was on the boat for TCU <laughs> for any other reason. No, you weren't. But, you weren't uh, there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, Caleb Williams. Do you 
you know, right. I think the finalists, there was four finalists. They were all quarterbacks um, with uh, CJ Stroud was uh, the third. And then I'm trying to think of um, Georgia's. Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia's uh, quarterback. So, uh, I mean, his uh, his stat line was ridiculous this year. Um, I uh, I wrote some down. He had uh, 37 touchdowns through the air, another 10 on the ground, only four interceptions, over 4,000 yards, and over 66% completion percentage. I mean, ridiculous, just ridiculous right. numbers. And those are through 13 games, not no NFL. You know, 17 like right. th- those are ridiculous numbers. Obviously, you know. Um, in college, there's a little bit of a difference. You know, we have a lot of, um, a lot of the, the schools which do the spread offense and you have a lot of schools, you know, uh, that have, um, the wide receivers in order to, to be able to do this. And then they, you know, they, uh, kind of go crazy. Um, but you know, USC and, uh, Lincoln Riley and, uh, Caleb Williams, you know, let's go. That I, I can't wait to see where you know what happens to him. I'm wondering if he'll transition into the NFL. Um, well, uh, but you know, he had an amazing season. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think Caleb Williams is as big of a prospect as there's been in quite some time as far as the quarterback position um, and going to the NFL. Um, this is Lincoln Riley's third Heisman Trophy winner. His first was a guy named Baker Mayfield. Uh, second was um, was Kyler Murray, and then of course the I'm third. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but <laughs> we were talking. We we're just talking about all these uh, wonderful uh, Heisman trophies and whether you know candidates and whether or not they can uh, trans you know transition well into the NFL. And we had two really bad back to back Murray and uh, and uh, Baker. Um, well, I'm you not going to. I'm not going to clown on Baker, considering he had six coaches in three years. Yes. Two years. Understand, um, understand. And then, especially, and and I'm going to be honest with you. I think that you're going to need to accept him a little more because he's going to be the quarterback of the Rams. I have a feeling. Led the other performance he had the other night was crazy, but no. Um, Kyler Murray is struggling. I think Kyler Murray did himself no favors. Um, obviously, he's he's got the ACL injury, which yeah. I paid for him. I don't want anybody to get yeah. hurt. I don't like I don't. it either. Yeah. No, I, I don't. It, but something's something's got to change there, and it might be Cliff Kingsbury real soon. But no, I like I like Caleb Williams. You know, gets five hundred fifty five hundred forty four first place votes. Uh, one on the landslide, but like you said, tremendous numbers. And if you watch the the Heisman Trophy presentation, and I don't know if you did, um, it almost no, seemed I, like I did not. I was traveling. Father, yeah, his mother and father had a look on their face, and if you listen to their story, they have been planning this since he was born. He's one of these kids that was a – he was – and just like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was the same way. His father built him from the time he was a young kid up, and this is the same thing with Caleb Williams. So um does not shock me. Got to see him play at OU before he went to USC. Tremendous, 
tremendous talent. Obviously, C.J. Stroud gets third. Um, Stetson Bennett and um, I believe Caleb Williams. Who was it? Was it Stetson Bennett and Caleb Williams? One of two of them were roommates at at Peyton Manning's quarterback school right. uh, back in the day. So they kind of they kind of had that. Uh, I think it was it was Stetson Bennett and Caleb Williams were roommates at the at the Peyton Manning school uh, for quarterbacks, but. Um, not a lot of suspense when it comes down to it. I think Williams, the right guy, won this year. Um, I heard we were listening. To, I was listening to local radio earlier this morning. They were talking about the worst Heisman Trophy winners of all time. There's some people out there that I can't. I mean, I mean, your your guy's name came up, Gino Toretta, um, <laughs> down in Miami. I was uh, did, did I was Dorsey, very young. Did Dorsey win the Heisman? No. Okay, Dorsey was in New York though. He didn't win the Heisman. Um no. yeah, but anyway, uh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I do think it was an interesting year that that uh and obviously he was a tremendous, tremendous player. Um oh Charles Woodson, when Woodson won it, he beat he beat Peyton Manning that year. Yeah. Um I you know, I find that hard yeah. to believe. But well, just know. like just like in the NFL with the MVP, it's become kind of a quarterback. You know, right. award the Heisman's right. pretty much become you know a pretty much a, a quarterback award there as well. Right. So, um, yeah, no, but you know he made it. He made a little bit of a joke at the award ceremony um, that he's the only one not in the in the playoffs uh, in the college yes. playoffs. Yes. And um, you know, it, it, it sucks for him because he did get he get got injured at the end of um, of that game against Utah. But the only team he lost to this year was Utah. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I feel terrible for him. I wish uh, they would have gotten a little bit of a, you know, a chance. Um, You know, in a couple of years, uh, we'll see what the the 12-man playoff group will look like. Uh, Unfortunately for him, uh, his season's over with, but he got a nice nice little trophy to, to go along with it. Which brings us to the conversations of the the bowl games that – you know, we've been we've been talking about well, quite a lot. Get into this, I gotta before we get into this, I gotta ask you, do you think that all these bowl games are good? I think there's too many, but I think that it's good for the schools. Um, you know, in the end, you know, you fight there's so many there's so right. many there's so many colleges that, you know, you you spend all year and you're you're fighting for, you know, um the I don't want to, you want to be able to get recognized and you want to be able to, they, they don't have it set up in a way where, um, it could be like basketball. Like, so you have like the tournament where you got, you know, 64 teams and you, you know, you, you get down to that one. We don't have it set up that way. So if we could figure out a way of how to do that, I think it would be interesting. Um, you know, have only a couple of, you know, games and then, you know, work our way into that. Um, but since that we don't, the, the bowl games are kind of what they, what they're working towards. Um, do I think that we need some of these, you know, no name bowl games that, you know, you, you struggle to, to know, uh, even where they're located, the early December games, like we're going to be talking about, but, um, I, I kind of feel like if we took them away, then you're taking funding away from the schools. You're taking that experience away from um, the players. But one of the big, th- you know, big things that I wanted to talk to you about was 
so many of these games right now are being affected because all these players are either entering the transfer um, portal or they're declaring for the NFL draft and they're not playing in the bowl game to begin with. So right. the first game, this uh, the Fenway Bowl, which is uh, Cincinnati against Louisville, a couple of, you know, two things that I found interesting there was Louisville's coach, uh, Satterfield, <laughs> is leaving and yep. is actually going to become Cincinnati's coach. So, um, you know, kind of intriguing how they, you know, they put them two up against each other. I think they might have right. done that on purpose. Um, but Cincinnati has so many people that I think they have 11 now that um, their coach, you know, has left, obviously. Um, uh, what's his name? Fink Finkel. 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 Yes. Finkel. Um, so he left. 11 um, players have already entered the transfer um, portal, and they're saying anywhere between four and five um, are sitting the bowl game out. So, I mean, you're talking, not saying that they're all starters, but that's definitely going to impact um, the game. Uh, Louisville's one-and-a-half-point favorites already. Um, but Cincinnati is, on paper, the better team. The question is, is with everybody out, and, you know, them not having their, um, I don't, I, I believe Finkel's already gone, so they're not having um, him him coach. And I believe, um, I haven't been able to confirm this, but Satterfield is going to coach for Louisville for, but I'm I, I, right. um, trying to find confirmation on that, and I have not been able to. But, yeah, I don't, I don't um, know on the Satterfield part of it. Um, Finkel is actually going to be in the press box with Wisconsin. He's yeah. actually going to be uh, up there with when they play their bowl game. Um, you bring up a great point, and and this is where this is where the argument for these bowl games is taking place, and this is where the argument for them and keeping them uh, in place is, and that is the amount of kids transferring and going to the draft after the, after the season's over is like you talked about this game gives a, a head football coach another mm, two weeks to prepare. Okay. So you're looking for a good solid week of preparation for the game and then usually a week or so before. So it's, it's going to come out to around 20 practices. So it's 20 more practices or so, and you get another game. So your, your backups that are now starting because these guys have left, are going to get that much more practice, that it's, much more experience, and when you and when you come down to it, it's almost like having another spring practice. You know, spring practice in college football is twenty practices, and there's regulations about how many times you can wear pads, how many times you can't wear pads. I mean, all these different things. And with this, there are no regulations, and so you get a good solid twenty practices plus a game. So it's almost like having another spring season between your regular season and your spring ball season. So that's why colleges like him. It damn sure is not for money, Sarah, because they don't make any money. They make no money. As a matter of fact, most schools lose money. It costs them to send their team to, to, these to travel. Yeah. Right. But, you know, again, the schools that like to, you know, the academic side of a college that likes to clown on athletics will also take on December 17th, when Cincinnati and Louisville roll out on the field at 11 a.m. on ESPN, or when the next game we talk about, Oregon State, Florida, rolls out at 2.30, that all that national marketing, and you're a marketing person, you understand marketing and brands, 
it's it's you there is no amount on it right so that's just another thing on tv push your school and the agenda so i think these bowl games will stay in place as long as sponsors want to pay the money to have them and yeah um, so they're not hurting anybody so have you uh do you have any this is the part that becomes hard though is trying to predict whether or not you know you think that you know these you know freshmen and sophomores who haven't played most of the you know most of the season are going to now have to step in for the people who are transferring and the people who have decided to declare for the draft and uh and you got to you know kind of try to decide what you think is uh is going you know going to happen um i kind of went back and forth myself and even though Louisville is the the favorite. I still have Cincinnati pulling off a very narrow victory with a twenty three twenty one. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know what to think of this game, and the main reason is because of the head coach. You got yeah. one on one side, one on the other. It's almost like he's having his own inner squad game uh, <laughs> during during a bowl game. Um. I will say this. I I do like I do like Cincinnati a lot. I watch them a lot. They played, you know, they played the University of Tulsa. Um, we didn't play them this year, but we play them uh, quite a bit through the AAC years. Um, now they're going to the Big 12. I like Cincinnati as well. And um, I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly football game. I think it's going to be 17-10 Cincinnati. I don't see a bunch of offense. All right. So the next game uh, we're going to talk about that's going on Saturday is the Las Vegas Bowl. So Pac-12 against SEC. We got uh, number 14. We actually have a ranked team going this early in the, in the season. It's, that, right? it's, it's kind of crazy, but we got Oregon State taking on Florida. This is actually going to be a good game, in my opinion. I think that, you know, Florida uh, – would have fared a little bit better, but Anthony Richardson has decided to declare, and he is not going to be in. He's not going to play in the game. Um, I think that the game would have been better if, uh, and it could have been very competitive if um, if he would have played. But I think that in the end, Oregon State is going to run the ball all over the Gators, um, and I believe it's like a ten and a, yeah, ten and a half point. Um, they're uh, ten and a half point favorites. Oregon State is so. Um, I think that it's it's going to to show. And unfortunately, Florida's going to lose three in a row, three bowl games in a row. I shouldn't say unfortunately. It makes me happy. I'm not a Gator fan. I didn't <laughs> think you would be. That kind of shocked me a little bit when you said that. Yeah. So, um, but so, I know that I know like five or six players again are not are not going to play. Right. They they have uh, declared for the draft. So the Gators are are definitely um, down quite a few people. I did not read anything when I was doing um, some research on um, on uh, Oregon State whether or not they had people um, sitting out as well. So kind of surprised me that I couldn't find much on that. But you know maybe they you know as a ranked team maybe the you know, they're looking at it as a little bit differently and, um, and, you know, going out there, you know, full force. I'm, I'm really surprised at Florida, the way they're playing defense, it, it their defense is not good whatsoever. And, and the thing about Florida is even when they were poor offensively, you could always count on them to have an SEC, an SEC style defense. 
they were going to have talent on that side of the ball and they were going to get after you. And you look at these numbers. I mean, they're ranked 197th in total yards given up. They're giving up 426 yards a game. Passing yards are giving up 239 a game. And then, of course, you brought up the point of rushing yard. You know, you think Oregon State will rush the ball. They should. I mean, Florida's yeah. given up 176 yards a game in rushing. They're ranked 192nd. Um, I I just I find it hard to believe that they're that poor on defense. And then you start taking guys out of the mix and sending them to the draft um, or transfers. I'm with you. I really, really like uh, Oregon State. I like Oregon State covering the 10 points. I don't have an exact score for you, but I think they cover, and I think they have a big night uh, in Vegas. Uh, the only way they can't have a big night in Vegas is if that half that team or most of that team is out at the uh, is out at the club the night before the game. <laughs> and then again, the way Florida plays defense, it might not matter if they go to the club before. Right, the game. right. So, um, no, I definitely like uh, Oregon State in this matchup. Yeah, so do I. So I have Oregon State. Um, and I, I actually, I believe when I, um, when I was doing the numbers, it's, it was 10 and a half. So I actually have it remaining a little bit closer. I had 37, 27. So they wouldn't be covering this spread if that was the case. Gotcha. But all right. So let's see the third Washington game. State, I can't believe I didn't know that you were a, a Washington state fan through, through, uh, genetics. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, and uh, and UW. My son actually applied to UW. Um, really? Yeah. So, uh, and he actually he got in, but he didn't get in for his major. And I was like, "Do you really want to go all the way over to the West Coast and not know if you're going to be able to change majors down the road?" So he ended up deciding not to go uh, out to Seattle. Um, but yeah, I I was uh, I you know most of the trips that I took as a kid, we would uh, go out to to Washington, and uh, I have many fond memories of uh the, that state and seattle and um going to all the mountains about, out there the best thing about washington for me was back in the day when we played for the bills and marv was our coach and fina's in the chat and fina can uh, vouch for this and when i say fina i mean john fina a uh, long time left tackle for the bills marv levy did not make us eat in the hotel the night before the game Marv said, you may go out and enjoy a fine meal somewhere else in the city. So we had John and we had Glenn Parker. And those two cats would study the local scene. And they would know where to go. And we're like, we're going to go here. You know, we go to Providence. And we would hit the, I think Providence was the original Capitol Grill, if I'm not mistaken. We'd hit the Capitol Grill. We'd go to Seattle. And they would find the best places to have seafood. It was wonderful. So... The kingdom at the time was absolute trash. We played in the kingdom for a bit, and then when they knocked it down, we actually played at Husky Stadium on a Sunday oh, night. Really? Yeah, we played at Husky Stadium on a Sunday night against the Seahawks, um, and I believe that uh, I believe that Wade was coaching then, and Wade let us do the same thing. We got to go out and enjoy ourselves. So um, that's my fond memories of of Seattle. Yeah, I can't wait until the Bills play Seattle in Seattle again. Um, cause it's been probably about t uh twenty years since I mean since before my son was born. So right. even even longer than that. So um since I've been out there. Um, but you know, most of my family is no longer there. You know, but uh, 
I was, you know, brought up and and raised uh, around quite a few people whenever we would go and, um, you know, travel out there that also live out there. So it'll be a very fun uh, trip once once it finally happens. But uh, so we we got the L.A. Bowl with Washington State taking on Fresno State. Uh, my opinion is as much as I love, you know, watching Washington State's offense go out there, I think Fresno State is just going to be a little bit um, too much for them to handle. I think it's going to be kind of low scoring in the, the um, you know, early 20s and probably quite a bit of field goals. Um, but I think that Fresno State is going to um, – they have a little bit more in it right now, and I think that they're going to edge out the victory just by, you know, a couple of points. But it's they're three-and-a-half-point favorites right now, actually. So I have uh, Washington State covering the points, um, but Fresno winning. Um, what better place to have a bowl game than SoFi? I mean, there might, yeah. you know, there might be two hundred people at the game, but um, <laughs> an amazing, an amazing facility to have a bowl game. Um, I like Fresno too. I like Fresno because they're a tough football team. I like the fact that they are forty uh, fifth. Uh, in college football and passing, they're averaging 270 yards a game uh, passing. And if you look at the uh, Washington State Cougars, they are ranked 233rd. They're giving up 266 yards passing a game. So I like that matchup. But the other thing that I that I know, we talked about a little bit earlier, Eric Morris, uh, former Incarnate Word head coach, Washington State offense coordinator, is going on to become the North Texas head football coach. So they're losing their offensive coordinator. There will be some upheaval. Uh, I like Fresno State. I like them. Uh, they are the favorite. Am I correct? Yes, they are a three-and-a-half yeah, like, point favorite. Yeah, three-and-a-half. That's what I'm making sure. Three-and-a-half. I like them covering and uh, winning the SoFi Bowl. I'll tell you, man, I'm seriously. Can you imagine if you're a kid, you're a college kid, you'd play in SoFi Stadium? Play I mean – as a fan, just walking in this year, I was like, "Whoa!" Right. I got, I did a, I did the tour uh, the day before the game, and it's pretty crazy. So I can just imagine, uh, you know, as a as a college kid, especially, you know, um, I mean, I'm not saying Washington State and Fresno aren't, you know, big name schools. Washington State definitely is, but um, to be able to go and and play in um, in an an NFL stadium, knowing that you might not ever get that opportunity. Right. Um, you know, not, not a lot of these college kids do, so it, it'll definitely be an experience for all of them. Right. Yeah. My so, son, uh, Owen had my son, Owen had that opportunity earlier this year. They got to play at the link in Philly, uh, when they played the temple owls. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Pretty cool deal. It's big. Yeah. Special. All right. So we're going to switch some gears over to, to the NFL and we have, uh, the wonderful news that all right, I'll let you, I'll let you have, I will let you have the floor. So you can go full fangirl over over Cole Beasley. Well, Let you know, I I will I'll be honest. Um, d- during the off season, I was like, I'm fed up with Cole Beasley. Like, I'm done. I'm uh, enough's enough. Well, can right. he? I I literally was like, can he just shut his mouth? Because he went from having it be for a reason, then all of a sudden it was he was talking down the the Bills organization and making it sound like. You know, there were holes in the organization and that, you know, then he's a couple comments about, you know, Buffalo itself and the fan. I'm like, you had fans out there screaming 
Beasley, all every time you made a catch, it was bees, bees, and he turned it into you know booze, and I'm like, well, there there were some people booing, and there was some people who were screaming bees. So you know you're going to get that no matter what. But do I think he is what this offense needs? One thousand percent, and I am very happy. I don't care. If you're vaccinated, I don't care what your stance on it is. I don't care. As, as long as you are not sexist, racist, homophobic, like, we're good. I don't care what your opinions are as long as you are a decent human being out there playing football and having a good time and you're making my team win. And Josh pulled for it. I'm I'm happy he did. The beef that was between, you know, Beasley and and Bean that was supposedly surfacing looks like it's been squashed. I, I don't know. And I, I don't know if it was Bean or McDermott more so, but you know, there was quite you know, questions of whether or not people were getting angry with him because they had installed cameras within the, the facility and stuff because he wasn't wearing his masks and all that this as many people that want to complain, the second he starts making some, you know, some first down, you know, catches, uh, everyone's going to forget about it. And, you know, I am a, I, I've been an avid supporter of, of Little Dirty, of McKenzie since, you know, the last couple of years. I've, you know, fought to keep him on um, the team, like, throughout the fandom, you know, obviously. Uh, I'm not, it's not like I got Bean in my, uh, in my left pocket or anything, but. I've wanted to see McKenzie succeed, but midway through the season, I'm like, okay, stop with the karaoke, stop with the Friday stuff. You're, you're not playing well. I'd rather see Shakira on the, on the, you know, out on the field. And, you know, that never really manifested into anything. So with, you know, him not really showing us what he's capable of, which is making me a little nervous because, you know, we kind of went through the same thing. Um, in the, you know, in the past with, um, God, uh, Hodgins, you know, like just never really got to where, you know, we wanted to see, you know, we let go of Stevenson. So we have a couple of these wide receivers that we've drafted that just haven't, you know, really panned out. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's just a, you know, a little, you know, blip for, for Shakir and, um, you know, he'll, he'll come back and, um, and learn. That's the biggest thing. I think that having just even having Cole Beasley at, at practice, he's going to see things. And, um, you know, Mackenzie did his own little, uh, you know, song and dance on Twitter trying to, you know, entice him to come back himself. And he had to know it was going to take snaps away from himself. So uh, they all wanted him back. I'm glad he's back. And, you know, let's win. We, we now have that person that we've been clamoring for for the last few weeks that is that consistent, like, Josh needs someone on third down that he knows is going to catch the ball. And that's, that's been Cole Beasley. So I'm excited. I, and I appreciate that. And I, and I agree. Um, it takes, it's like Miranda Lambert saying, saying about it takes all kinds of kinds. Right. Um, I think people, I think Cole Beasley was probably in a state of confusion for some, some of this. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, it must be really weird to see a group of people that were all for you in a second flip and turn on you. 
um, and then you become wounded. And we all know there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal, right? And they're going to do whatever they have to do to survive. What I would say is go back a few years ago when Bill Parcells was nominated and eventually was elected into the, the NFL uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, and Bill Parcells gave a speech about the locker room. And the speech that he gave about the locker room was, it was the, it's the greatest social experiment in the world. That you take people from all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds, rich, poor, uh, middle class, black, white, um, straight, gay, Hispanic, whatever. Okay, all these different people. And you bring them into one locker room. And there's only two things that matter. Okay, there's only two things that matter. The first thing that matters is, are you a good person? Are you deep down inside a good person? And the second thing is, are you willing to do what it takes to help us win? If you're those two things, the doors open, come on in. If you're not, get out. Cole Beasley is a good person. And Cole Beasley is going to help the Bills win football games. And in my estimation, the door is open. Um, Whatever the fans need to do to forgive him and whatever he needs to do to forgive the fans, I think that has started today. Sarah, I think you've talked about it very well. I think all those things are starting to fall into place. Um, you know, his press conference, he was open and admitted to making some mistakes, which he did. And I think it was just him his him being a human and seeing that whole thing flip and turn on him and maybe feeling that he wasn't understood. Right. Um you know, and maybe I thought, wondering. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I thought that part of what he said today with him saying um that you know Buffalo is is home, it's where he's he's supposed to be. Um right. I think that that was a huge step because most people didn't care about his stance on things. Most it was after the fact. It was after you know he was he was gone and and you know, started saying stuff about the organization, very public things, you know, about um, the strife. So um, I think, that, you know, and that's what, where it got me. Um, but, you know, it, it took me a little, you know, a little bit of time to, to really, you know, sit there and think about it the other day, just with even the possibility. Um, because when they said that he was, you know, on the airplane, you know, and he liked the post on Twitter or something. So that, you know, everyone was already talking about it the day before. Um, I said, how, how in the world can he come back after all that? But then I thought about it. I'm like, how many of us have, you know, a, an old employee or an old employer that we couldn't stand because they let us go. And we talked so much crap about him, but then if they asked us to come back, we would have came back in two seconds, you know? And a lot of times it's the, the people that you work with. You know, and um, I was laid off this past September and it, it's that same scenario. Like I, I realized talking to some people, I was, I had a couple of, you know, fun, not so fun words to say about the, the company and, you know, they got bought out and they knew and, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then you get heated. And next thing you know, you're, you're really starting, especially with somebody else who was laid off. So we're, we're at lunch and we're, tr you know, trading insults back and forth. If they started a company tomorrow, I'd go back in two seconds, especially if they brought in the whole, you know, the, the crew again. So 
we all go through it, you know, um, and I think that, you know, we should, you know, take a step back. Everyone's human. And, uh, and hopefully it's, it's about football and, and, and the impact he's going to have on the field. And I think that what's really, you know, great is he can be on, you know, they, we signed him to the practice squad. He can be called up three times. John Brown has one more call up. So we have, you know, uh, the, the capability of getting them some actual, you know, playing time before the end of the season. And then they can play during, uh, you know, during the playoffs. So, um, you know, I believe it's, it all resets. Uh, Sal um, made a really good uh, tweet the other day, kind of, you know, explaining um, his misunderstanding of it. So they get unlimited call-ups during, uh, during the playoffs and, you know, I'm I'm glad that he's going to get some some reps before that as well. You know, there's no more truthful place in a locker room, and the fact that this locker room in Buffalo has embraced bees, and they have no issues with them coming back, and players like you said earlier have released things. Um, I'm 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 very fine. I have no issues with him coming back, and I'm actually excited that yeah. he's coming back for this team. And it's like John Fina said in the chat. You know, he gives zero. You know what's for Cole's previous anything. Short-term memory loss is a fantastic quality, and Love it. And, it, and it and it's true. Um, again, just remember those two things: Are you a good person? Can you help us win? That's that's yeah. what matters. And, and uh, um, you can do both those things. Yeah, and I think that, like I was saying a little a little earlier, uh, I think the fact that McKenzie went went out of his way to really like start stirring the pot with with Beasley weeks ago knowing that it was going to take the reps away from right. him that goes to show how much they want you know wanted him back in that locker room so right. you, know, you know i think some of mckenzie's might be a little preemptive strike too knowing that he might and he's kind of talk himself into it being okay i mean he's a competitor he's going to want to be on the field but i know what you're saying yeah yeah so i'm looking forward to it i think that you know we even just watching practice today, I, I was able, even throughout the, the travel today, I was able to catch a couple of the, um, you know, the media um, videos of it and everything. And it just seems just natural. You know, I, I don't know how he hasn't played in, in months. And even when he did play, he, you know, I think he had 13 snaps with uh, with Tampa Bay or something ridiculous like that. So, I, you know, He's he's probably not up to game speed um, and probably won't be. Um, but that's why I was saying I think it's really important that we use these um, the three call ups that that we're allowed to to you know bring him up from the practice squad to get him you know acclimated back and uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And you know he hasn't been playing, so hopefully he's really healthy because you know last year he wasn't. So. Uh, you know, hopefully he's had a chance to to really uh, heal up and uh, and just have an impact. I I can't wait. I can't wait to see it and having smoke out there too. I feel like I, you know, it's like one of those things. You know, yeah. I wish back in the day. You know, when when you know the bill started in the '90s when the bill started kind of falling apart. Which there was always that part of me that was like, I want Bruce and I want Thurman and I want. One more time, can we all get them back together? So this is kind of the thing, you know. They they started something. John Brown and and Cole Beasley started something with Josh, and I'm just I'm hoping that you know we can finish it this year. I, I really want that, you know, that uh, Super Bowl. So 
I'm looking forward to it. Triggs44 in the chat says, Alan admitted that there are certain concepts they haven't run because Cole was so good at them that it's hard for other guys to do. Um, you know, that makes a good point. It, it's also, you know, you wonder if he can, you know, is he in shape? Do you play? I think this has been going on for quite a while. I think this has probably been a four-week process yeah. over the last month of talking with Cole, where you at health-wise, and all those different things. But, you know, at some point, though, Sarah, it, you know, unfortunately, we can't have what – what uh, Gwen Stefani uh, refers to as a holler back girl. Um, we don't, we're going to have to develop some of our own talent and receiver. We're going to have to develop some of our own talent and receiver and quit bringing back the, quit bringing back the players that we got rid of for a reason in the first place. I honestly don't think Beasley was uh, necessarily, I guess I did. It was money. There. It was I mean, money. It, it's it was money. money. I mean, he was, he was due like $6 million. Yeah. Like it was money. Right. So, and right. then obviously there was the you know the the internal um, issues and, with and you that know. That was also a convenient. That was also a matter of convenience as well. You take that situation, knowing you need to get his six million off the books, and then you've got the perfect storm. But um, no, I'm looking right. forward to it. Um, I want to be up there. Obviously, I'm excited. Um, I just hope we can all get up in there, and, and the snow doesn't get us. I think we'll be fine. I think the snow yeah. doesn't start until. Later in the evening, towards do you think, the game. Do you think we call up Beasley this week already? Do you think? I mean, he's already practicing. Do you think I, we get three? So if if we, okay, if you, you know, do, waited. You if you do, who do you sit? My well, thing is, I, mean, I don't think we'll have, he's gonna. I we'll have tons he, of people. Yeah, if he comes up. If he comes up and uh, hit the chats, um, um, Sarah, we have a super chat. I want you to bring up um, from uh, John DeFazio. But when I think when I when I look at this, I don't think he was brought in to be a rental player. But um, John DeFazio, I appreciate the super chat. He says Cole will drastically change our offensive production. He is the ultimate zone killer on third down. Cole is absolutely in shape and needs zero uh, on board. I I agree with that. I know another person in this house is extremely happy, and that's my wife. She's a huge Beasley fan. So, oh, that's good. Um, she's fired up as well. That's the first thing she said to me. She's like, "Hey, did you, did you recall Beasley's back?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've been saying yeah. that for a little bit." But, um, but what do you think but, about that? I mean, do you think he's ready to go right now? I, I mean, I think that whether we wait the the week and then um, so right now, what there's four games left. So we maybe we wait the week and then he finishes out the three games. Um, or maybe they say, hey, look, we only have four, you know, healthy wide receivers on on the 53-man roster. But I think John is completely right um, about the the third down. It, it's just that that feeling like, you know, we need, you know, third and three, Beasley's going to be there. At the, you know, three, he's going to get that three yards plus an inch if that's what he needs. And I, so I'm looking forward to that, that aspect again, because um, his, the one thing that was my biggest gripe about him last year towards the, the end of the season, but he was hurt. So I, I'm going to give him that, you know, that pass. He was playing with what broken ribs and everything else. Right. But, um, I felt like every time he caught the ball, he, he was just falling. Like he, there was no, you know, and then it was kind of the whole the whole team. There was the the no yards after the catch. But the one thing that Beasley does do very well is he he runs the routes and he knows where the yards, you know, where the the yardage is that he needs to get. So he'll kind of 
run the route, sit down right where he needs to. And, you know, whether or not he's falling, you know, forward at that moment or he runs, you know, at hopefully at this point he's going to be able to run for some from yards after the catch. He's still going to get you that first down, which is what we're, you know, hoping for. So um, right. too many times we went three and out, you know, last week, uh, not even just three and out, but, you know, third down was just atrocious. And then, um, you know, so are you, are you looking forward to uh, uh, coming to, to Buffalo on Saturday? And I'm, I'm ecstatic. Uh, first are things you? first is I'm, I'm extremely excited to bring my sons to a Bills game. My oldest boy, Jackson was born in Buffalo. My, my other son, Owen was not born in Buffalo, but he is a huge Bills fan. Um, they both have not been to a game in Orchard Park. Um, oh, wow. So we're extremely <laughs> – so we've been to some training camps and did all that, but we have not been to a game together at Orchard Park. And I'm in this – I'm torn because I have access to go inside, okay? But I know my two sons, and I know what they want to do, yeah. and they want to be in the mosh pit that is the Bills Mafia. <laughs> and I've never done that myself. So I, I would think that that's probably where we'll spend the majority of our time is actually in our seats in the stadium. The only way that that derails is my oldest boy's girlfriend's coming with us and she is a teeny tiny person. I so, mean, I told you, know. you, Jerry, if you feel <laughs> the need to give me your inside tickets, I will give you my oh, 35, no, 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 no. My 35 yard line seats <laughs> that are nice right underneath the elements. No, um, well, see, I'm I, close to you. I'm I'm going to be in row 30, I believe, in 136. So okay, so I'm, we'll I'm, we'll be close to each other. Yeah, yeah I'm in 135. Yeah, I'm really I'm excited to go to Mafia House before the game. Yeah, so I'll see you there too. And meet some of the people I've I've been friends with on Twitter that I have met. And then seeing some other people like Aaron and and different folks that uh, and Joe and everybody that I that I do know and have met, so I'm I'm really excited. I'm hoping this snow doesn't cause a problem with travel, um, and I'm looking really forward to the Bills just sticking a foot up the Bills. You know what? Or, I mean the Dolphins. You know what? Because <laughs> the first game irritated me to no end. Yeah. And um, you know, Ruben and I were on the 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 Hump Day Hotline with Spence. Well, I, let me rephrase that. Spence was on Hump Day Hotline with me and Ruben, <laughs> you guys. Okay. And Ruben had brought that up about the heat and how he was surprised. You know, the same thing that I felt like he was surprised how the heat affected us so so negatively. Um, but we're ready for some revenge. We got the Jets last week. I want to see somebody knock two in the next week uh, on Sunday. <laughs> I'm I'm one. This is how it um, used to be, you know. This whole 17 year drought has turned that Dolphins rivalry soft because the AFC East wasn't very good except for the Patriots. Everybody was like, "Oh, they're going to win." Brady's there, and that rivalry kind of took its toll and softened. But over the last couple of years, I feel the hatred coming back. It's like you because they became the Patriots, it, right? The like Patriots became and. So now it's you know we're going through those the ebbs and flows and now uh, yeah. I, I for for everything that I remembered you know I remember um, when Brian Cox spit on the um, on the ground going into the tunnel and stuff so when his son came onto the Bills I was like I right. can't like him I can't for like I remember him realize. spitting here's what you don't realize Brian Cox honestly is a really good dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> he, he's an awesome guy. Like if you took the whole Hawk and the Loogie thing out of it and you knew him and you'd be like, damn, he's really cool. I want to hang out with him. I actually enjoyed playing against him. I thought he was great. And off the field, he was great. He ended up coaching as well. But yeah, it was funny when his son was on the Buffalo Bills. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I just can't, I can't wait. Um, you know, bowl game stuff in the final four until they expand this thing to 12. I know we talk about college football all the time. We love college football, but I just can't, I just can't get, I just can't get as fired up for it with this kind of major television staged four man event. Um, but with the NFL is how it should be. They should yes. take the NFL model and do that. And we're leading with five games left. I expect the Bills to win the next five games. Well, if we uh, if we win this if we win this weekend, we are locked in for the playoffs. So that's another big motivation. I'm uh, I right now I I don't want to give a prediction. I have been do <laughs> I've been doing really well on. Uh, I'm being bad of uh, of predictions because you're nervous or no, because I feel like, I feel like I've, I did the whole blowout thing for so long. And every time I did the blowout, we would lose. And so I'm like, okay, so then let me, I'm, I've been humbled. Let me go back into this, you know, you know, three, four, seven point, you know, Oh, but we got, we have to at least cover. So now I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I'm, we win this game. We're going to win this game. We are winning this game. There's no question in my mind we are winning this game. I have too many Dolphins people that I, I cannot wait to call out after we win this game on Saturday. So we win. I've just, uh, I haven't quite really thought about the, the points. And that's going to go because of the weather. We just don't know. I think we are going to stomp a mud hole in them. I love it. I love it. I think we're going to stomp an ice hole in. <laughs> a snow, I love it. Keep whatever you want, whatever you want this to call it. Positivity. I love it. I, I am I am not flying to Buffalo, New York to witness what we saw in South Florida. It's not going to happen. And the defense that I watched last week makes me crazy excited. Crazy excited to watch our football team because the way they played defense last week. And with Tredavian White now being able to take one side of the field away, and we'll go ahead and figure out how to handle the other side like we always do. It, it's just Poyer is an inspiration. Poyer. Oh, gosh. Spence, Spence. Poyer's yeah. turning into one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player. I hate to tell you yeah. this. But, um, and then I watched the All-22 the all uh, the other day, and I've just kind of focused on Ed Oliver. And I've watched Ed on the All-22 the last few games, and he stepped – his game up to another level. Yeah, I'm he's just hoping that he's good to go. Yes. I'm just hoping he's good to go. I think so. that'll be fine. I think he's always going to have something because he isn't the biggest of interior defensive tackles. So I, I look at that. I think we're going to win big. It's going to be a great Saturday mm-hmm. night. I'm excited to go to Mafia House and see Ruben. Uh, the Ruben Brown sponsored party will be there. Yeah. Um, and anyone's, you know. everyone's invited. Come stop out. You know, say hi to all of yeah. us. And uh uh, if you guys have a chance, throw throw your score predictions in the uh, in the chat, and then please make sure you like and subscribe. Yep, and we will catch you guys. Subscribe. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week, probably on Wednesday again because I might be traveling. Well, we'll let you know. Now, where are you going? Well, next week is Chicago, so uh, 
Gee whiz. I, I'm heading out. I, I think be, I'm heading I out. Be you. <laughs> I think I'm going to be heading out on Thursday. So we might, we might be able to go Thursday night. We'll have to, we'll have to find out, but it depends on what we plan on doing in Chicago. So, but if you have predictions, any questions for us, hit us up on Twitter uh, at three underscore man underscore rush. And then our, uh, our, uh, our Twitter, uh, our Twitter handles are right there on the screen. You can hit us up on those at any time. She is Sarah Larson. I am the big O.J. Ostrowski. This is the three-man rush, and I will say this, uh, besides Go Bills, just uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. One love. Sarah, great job. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys.